Maywood Student Ministries podcast. We are so happy you are tuning in. This week, we are continuing our study of 1 John. Let's listen in as Pastor Tony shares with us a message on 1 John 4, 7-12. So, I want to begin tonight with asking this question. Have you guys ever been geocaching before? How many of you? Jordan? Okay, one, two, three, okay, four, couple, five, all right. Or, or maybe just like on some type of scavenger hunt before. Okay, I've, been, I've, I've done geocaching and I've been on a scavenger hunt before. It could be serious or it could be goofy. But the last time I remember geocaching, it was when I was in high school. And I was at a summer camp as a camp counselor. And so the idea is you have this GPS device that helps you navigate, right, to find the hidden treasure throughout the campground. And once you found them all, you received a prize. And to be completely honest with you, I thought it was like one of the funnest things ever. Right? Like putting it all together and being like, oh, let's go over here. No, I think it's there. And like the GPS figuring it all, I thought it was so much fun. In fact, some scavenger hunts that I've done, or maybe you have done, it would go like, like this. It would make you try to find the treasure based on how many steps you go. Have you guys ever done that? Uh, go 100 steps south, then 50 steps north, and then you're going to find the destination. How many of you have done that before, based off steps? Okay, a few of you. Um, that was honestly fun, but that is way more difficult. That's way more difficult. It's like one, two, three, or is it like one, two, right? Like, who knows what you do with that, right? It's just so much, it's, to me it's more difficult, but... What is crazy about doing something like geocaching or scavenger hunts when I was in, at summer camp, I was getting a taste of how before Google Maps entered the picture and the technology we have now, there was all kinds of ways that navigators used to determine their course or route when it came to traveling or finding something. They were on the hunt for something. Now, some of those ways included this without using Google Maps. It was a radar screen. Okay, there was this thing called a radar screen. Do you guys know what a radar screen is? I don't think you guys know what a radar... You guys are too young for that. A radar screen? Okay, yeah. It was a motion radar that would help direct submarines or many other ships, right? It was based off of movement. So, oh, we see movement there. Let's, there's something over there. Let's head that way, right? Or the other one is, the most generic one, is what? Can anyone guess? Not Google Maps. Before technology. No. No, okay, an atlas or something, yeah. But even back, back up. The sun, yes. Yes. Keep going. Wait, what? A compass, yes. A compass, yes. But you had a compass, right? Navigators would use a compass, and the magnetic needle would always point north due to the Earth magnetic poles, right? Now, what does this all have to do with where we're going tonight? Okay, what does this all have to do with it? Well, in taking a compass as our example, a navigator depends on using it to determine his course, right? Why does he use a compass to determine? Because it reveals to him or her the directions, 
right? It reveals where's north, where south, where east, and where west is. And the key, though, is that the navigator can trust that it will always point north because it's designed to respond to Earth's gravitational pull. No matter where are, they are at in the world. Literally, no matter where. So you see, the compass only works because of the nature of Earth's magnetic pull. And in a similar way, the nature of God is love. And a person who follows God and has given their life over to Him will respond to God's nature just as a compass always responds to Earth's magnetic pull. It's going to do it based off of its nature. Therefore, therefore, here's our big idea tonight. To know God is to know love. That really is a point in itself. To know God is to know love. And in knowing God, we naturally love like Him. To know God is to know love. And in knowing God, we naturally love like Him. And, I want to add this, and we will be directed and guided by that love in all things. In all things. We're going to be directed and guided by that love in all things. So this takes us to our passage tonight, or passages. We're going to be looking at 7 through 12, verse 7 through 12 of 1 John chapter 4. Guys, tonight's verses are so theologically rich with an understanding of who God is. They are so theologically rich. These are some of the most powerful verses in all of Scripture when it comes to the love of God. Some of the most powerful verses. And so let's begin to unpack it by looking at verses 7 and 8. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. So John, once again, is bringing us back to the subject of love, as if we have not heard him talk about love multiple times already. John is hoping to help us discover why love is such an integral part of a believer. And so in looking at these first two verses, John is saying these things. Love comes from God. Boom. Love comes from God. Where does that come out in the passage? It says, for love is from God. So John wants us to know that love comes from God. And then the second thing, for those who belong to God, who are united with Him, Through faith in Jesus Christ, we share in that love, and it is what flows out of us. Where does that come out in the passage? Where it says, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. But then, we have to ask this question. For those who do not love, 
They do not know God. Why not? Why don't they know God if they don't choose to love? But, but are, you, are you serious though? Because I know things about God. I know some facts about him. I can tell you things about him. I can tell you he's the creator of the universe. I can tell you he's the king of kings. I can tell you he's person one of the trinity. Like, I can tell you those things. I can list facts off. Why does it have to be that if I don't love, I don't know God? How can you say that I don't know him? I know all these facts about him. Well, you see, there is a test. And the test to truly knowing God is based on, you ready? It's based on how you love. It's the test. And you might be wondering, why is the test of being a true Christian based on my love for others? Why? Why can't it be on how many times I go to church? That'll show how much I love based on how many times I go to church. Why can't it be how many times I try so hard not to swear that I show you that's how much I love? Or why can't it be how good my grades are that show how much I love? Or why can't it be based on how often I come to youth group and let that show my love for God and love for others? Why can't it be based on those things? We'll see the answer actually comes by way of looking at the latter part of verse 8. And the latter part of verse 8 says, Because God is love. Anyone who does not love does not know God. Because God is indeed love. This is a huge statement from John. Knowing what this means is crucial for us as believers. And so let's unpack how God being love is the answer by first hearing from Warren Wearsby. Look what he says. We're going to begin to unpack it. Look what he says. Love does not define God, but God defines love. Love does not define God, but God defines love. You see, God defines every single part of the definition of it. All that God does, everything He has said, everything that He has done, everything He has promised and will do points to His love for us. Did you guys get that? All that God does, everything He says, everything He's done, everything He's promised, everything He will do, points to his love for us. This means every moment of everything we know from Genesis all the way to Revelation and even is happening now is coming out of an act of holy love. Why? Because it is who he is. He cannot not love. Does that make sense? He cannot not love. It's who he is. He defines love. Everything he has done has come out of an act of holy love. I would simply say this. Just to put this simply for us. 
having this in our hands, accessible to us, the way it is, is an act of his love. It's his love that we even have this. I don't know if you've ever thought about that in that way before. Having his word is even an act of his holy love for us. You see, the nature of God's love, the nature of, again, it's who he is. He defines it, every part of it. The nature of God's love is one that is completely countercultural and out of this world. That's why when people see the kind of love that hopefully we as Christians are sharing to others, they're like, I don't get that kind of love at home, maybe. Or I don't get that kind of love from my friends at school. Like, where is this love coming from? Because I'm not re- I don't really experience this in the culture and society today. That's because God's love is so countercultural and out of this world. It's unlike anything this world has seen. Now, I want to break this down even a bit more. Because I think this is important. God's love isn't a love that is only based on how handsome or beautiful someone looks as we see in the world today. I only love you because you're good looking. That's where the extent of my love goes. Wow, you're really, really pretty. I guess I'll love you because you're just really good looking. Guys, literally, that is society today. You look good, I'll love you. That's, that's, that's love. God's love isn't a love that is based on what we get back in return. And how often do we see that? I only love you based on what I get out of it. That's it. However much you give me in return, that's how much love I'll give you. And here's another one. This isn't a love that says, I love you only because of what you can offer me. What can you offer me? Let me know. A uh, good house, a lot of money, good cars, da 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 da. Oh, okay, marry me. Literally. That's society today. God's love is so beyond all of that superficial cultural stuff. The point is this. This love is so far beyond and far greater than what this world defines as love. We need to throw that definition out of love if it has the cultural context in it, defining it for us in our head. I want you to listen to what Leon Morris says about this huge statement that says God is love. When I read this, no joke, guys. When I read this, I had to read it multiple times. That's how powerful this was. Look at what Leon Morris says. His definition of God is love. It's powerful. God is love. This means more than God is loving or that God sometimes loves. It means that He loves, not because He finds objects worthy of His love, but because it is His nature to love. His love for us depends not on what we are, 
but on what He is. He loves us because He is that kind of God because He is love. I mean, when I read that, I'm like, that's the God that is my Father? Like, do I need to read that again? His love for us depends not on what we are, but on what He is. And His very nature is that He's that kind of God. You see, Christian love is such a unique kind of love. And why is it a unique kind of love? Why can you not find it anywhere but Him, but apart from Him? Because the love is and comes from God. It does not, and it cannot come from us apart from Him. You cannot find this kind of love, and this love cannot be shown apart from knowing God. I think that last part there is is a key part. We cannot show this kind of love that God has loved us with, who in fact He is and defines, apart from knowing God. The God who is love. Now we may think we love something or someone, and while it may be genuine, the reality is, is we are not even close to truly understanding what it means to love. Because God defines and is love. So in going back to the question, why is the test on if I truly know God and belong to Him based on my love, and more specifically, my love for others? See, since God defines love and is love, and if we indeed say we have been united with Him through faith in the Gospel, then what God produces and reveals within us is a holy love that day in and day out seeks to pour that love out onto other people. It is in our nature if God is within us. Remember when I shared um, that little illustration, I don't know if you guys remember, about how when we were talking about being born again, about regeneration, that you take on the nature of your mom and dad when you guys were born? Do you guys remember that? You take on the nature of your parents when you're born. Don't you? Right? What do I mean by that? You have different aspects of them within you. You may have your dad's hair, okay? But you have your mom's eyes, right? They say, oh, you got your eyes. You look like your mom with your eyes. Or maybe you have your mom's smarts, but you have your dad's sporting skills or competitiveness. Well, in truly being born again, as a child of God, we take on the nature of God, and this involves His love. If we truly have been born again. We take on His nature. It is who we are, and it is what we cannot stop from happening in our lives. Now, it goes without saying that there are certainly people in this world 
who love others and things, right? There's certainly people who do. Family members, jobs, friends, all sorts of things, right? And I'm sure they would sacrifice anything for those people or things that they love. But what this passage is saying is that the love that God is and gives is one that requires a personal relationship with Him. You cannot show or have this kind of love if you don't know the guy who defines love. You can't. You could try all you want. You're not going to even come close. Not having a personal relationship with Jesus has a direct correlation to how we define and share our love. Did you, did you catch that? Because actually I think that's an important thing. Not having a personal relationship with Jesus Christ has a direct correlation to how we define and how we share our love. Your definition of love is going to be quite different from someone who knows the guy who defines love. The love they feel, the love they feel, is nothing compared to the love that comes from God and reveals within us. See, that is what John is really trying to get at in verse 8. They lack a relationship with Jesus Christ. They do. I think of it like this. Here's, Here's a small way I think of it. Apart from Christ, in loving something, okay, remember, apart from Christ, I would say, I really, really like my wife, apart from Christ. Now, obviously, of course, I say I love her, and I do. But apart from Christ, I would say, I really, really like my wife. But in coming to know Christ, and putting my faith in Him, The love God has for His one and only Son, and the love God has for me, and the love that is so holy is now in me, and is now what I can reveal and live out. And I think this takes the really, really like my wife to, I really, 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 really love my wife in such a way that I could have never imagined or shown before to her apart from Jesus Christ. I couldn't. I absolutely could not. Sure, I loved her. I really, really did. But the way I love her is nothing compared to knowing Jesus Christ and now experiencing that love from Him, the love that He sent Jesus Christ for, is now in me, and now I can love my wife in such a different way than I did before. It's incredible. Does that make sense? The love for my wife is not the same before Christ as it is knowing the love of God and His love for me. You see, knowing love or God changes everything when it comes to how I show love, who I show love to, and it is done in such a way that is so unlike the way the world defines love. Ooh, you look really cute. 
Looks like we're getting married. Right? Like, that's so awful. (laughs) But that's what you see today. So, to truly love something or someone, to encompass every aspect of how God shows and defines love, it comes from a heart that has been born again, transformed through the Holy Spirit by faith in Jesus Christ. Simply put, I'll break it down real simply for us. To, know, to, to love is to know God, and to know God is to love. To love is to know God, and to know God is to love. Now, I want to just break this down here. When the passage says no, if we look, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love and does not know God, because God is love. What is this no? No. Well, when the passage says no, it is referring to a deep connection and relationship with God. Not merely just knowing facts about Him or things about Him in our minds intellectually. I know my wife intimately. We have such a close and deep connection with one another that is so beyond just listing facts about her and all the things she likes. She constantly kills me at ping pong. All the time. And I've been on a mission to take her down. Has it happened? <laughs> but we still love each other. But, but I know her so intimately, right? I can tell you things about her that are more than just facts or things about her. Because I know her. Right? That is the no and the deep and close connection God is talking about in these passages. Like, do you actually know Him? Or can you just list things about Him and say facts about Him? But do you know the heartbeat of God? Do you know who He is? Because you've spent time in this. Do you know the gospel and the love that was portrayed out for you and me through Jesus Christ? Like, do you know him in here? Or you just know him intellectually? I know facts about him. I don't really think you know him then. And when we seek to know God, when we do that, when we seek to know God and his love for us, in reading the next verses, God is going to show us how he demonstrated his, his love, his holy love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only Son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. So how did God demonstrate his love to us? God sent out of his love sent His one and only Son into the world so that by faith in Him we may receive the free gift of eternal life in heaven. And you guys want to know something so crazy that hit me even more than 
than in recent times when I've heard the gospel or read through it in God's word. This hit me in such a big way. I want you guys to hear this. Listen to God's love for us. God did this not because we loved him first or because we deserve or earn it. It was totally an act of his love for sinners like us. Look what it says. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us. It's not because we loved him first. It's not because we deserve it or earn it. He did it out of total act of who he is. It's in his nature. And he did it for sinners like me and you. I mean, how so out of this world is this love? This speaks so much into the grace and mercy and love of God because if you look at the world's attitude towards the things of God, can anyone tell me what the world's attitude toward the things of God are? What's the world's attitude towards the thing of God, the things of God? What do you think? Weird. Weird? Okay. Yes. What's the world's attitude? Anything else come to mind? The world's attitude towards the things of God. Anybody? Pointless. Why follow that faith or guy? Pointless. The world's attitude towards the things of God, I could tell you right now, is far from love. Far from it. Not even close. But in speaking about how crazy God's love is in sending Jesus Christ, when you look at Jesus Christ in the Bible... When you hear the name Jesus Christ, when you speak the name Jesus Christ, you see all of what love has to offer on full display. It is the single greatest act of lover, love, lover, love ever put on display. It's the single greatest act. God who is holy infinite, majestic, who was king, sent his one and only son, Jesus Christ, who left the glories of heaven, by the way, left his seat next to the Father, and came to a sinful and evil world, so that by living a perfect life and doing what no one else could have ever done, he died taking our sins upon his shoulders on the cross of Calvary, and three days later rose again, securing for us freedom forgiveness, and eternal life in heaven. Heaven, that is the love that God has for us. And this news can be yours today should you receive this free gift by believing in your heart that Jesus died for your sins. You know, in ways, sharing the gospel in a funny way makes me think about the circus's tagline. You guys ever heard of or been to Ringley Brothers and Barnley Bailey Circus? Have you guys ever been there? Have you guys ever heard of it? Okay. All right. Well, the movie, The Greatest Showman? Yeah. Okay, it's based off of that, all right? How the circus kind of, how God started. But I would go with my family to the circus and when it came into town, and I had a lot of fun at them, but their big advertisement, 
they say what? Can anyone, does anyone know what their big advertisement tagline is? I would be impressed. In fact, I might even get you a piece of candy if you get this. Don't look it up. Someone not Lance. What is their tagline? I'll, I'll help you. The greatest... You had help. No, I didn't. She did it. Oh, I did. But like, I had most of it. You had 75% of it, so I'll give you 75% of a candy. Okay. okay. All right. Deal. No. All right. Yeah. The greatest show on earth. Yeah. Okay, but that's their tagline, all right? Now, this is a funny thing that I'm just trying to help us think through. You guys know where I'm going with this in a funny way. But God sending Jesus Christ is the greatest showing of an act of love ever here on earth. Period. End of story. It's the greatest act of love ever here on earth. And you know what stuck out to me in preparing for this? That served as another reminder of why Christ died for us? Look what it says. At the end of verse 9, that God sent His only Son into the world so that we might live through Him. That really stuck out to me as a big reminder this time. Because it is the idea that putting our faith in Jesus Christ, we're becoming like Christ. We're, are, we're living for Him. And that's what Christ did. He, he died to bring us life. Without Christ, we can never become like Him. We can never live for Him. And we would be, continue to be dead in our sins. So let's continue on here in verses 11 and 12 as we begin to wrap up. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and His love is perfected in us. So as a result of what John shared, he comes full circle around. Right? And he says, Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. See, this is a commandment we must seek to obey, but it also comes by way of it being in our very nature. Listen to how Warren Wearsby breaks this down. We are not saved by loving Christ. We are saved by believing on Christ. But after we realize what He did for us on the cross, our normal response ought to be to love Him and to love one another. Our normal response. Again, back to our big idea. It's what naturally comes out if we know God. See, it's one thing to love others out of a sense of duty which in ways is good, but it is another thing to love others out of privilege and appreciation because of the love that God has for you. Now, there is one thing at the end of our passages that is so crazy cool to think about. That the holy love of God that He is and defines is at work 
that will only grow and become more alive within us as we draw near to Him each and every day. Like, just think about that for a second. The love that we have for Him and the love that we have and show for others is being perfected. It's getting better, hopefully, each and every day. And honestly, I need to hear this at times because I see myself falling short in how I choose to love. I know that I can grow in how I love Corey. I know I can grow in how I love my family. I know I can grow in my love for those who get underneath my skin, as I'm sure you guys have those people. I know I can even grow in the things of God. And specifically tonight, I know I can grow in my love for others. But praise God. This is a praise God moment because the work is not done. The love that God has in sending Jesus Christ and the love that Jesus has in giving up His life for you and in me is still at work and is still transforming us to the point of perfection one day. But it will not be this side of eternity or this side of glory. But I praise God that there is a day that that will come. So in living it out, here are my questions for you in living it out. How deep does your knowing, intimate, deep, close, right, the definition of knowing there, of God, go within your heart? How deep do you actually know God? Has the love that is and comes from God penetrated your heart through putting your faith in Jesus Christ? Have you done that in this room? And then if the test on if I truly know God and belong to Him is based on my love, and more specifically, my love for others, what would be your grade? And how can you seek to improve it? Van, you guys can, you guys can come on up. Think about how you would answer those questions. Talk about them maybe in small group. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just thank you uh, for this time. God, so much of this passage tonight is about you and your love and how you define love. You say what it is. God, this world very, very, very easily falls short on defining love. It's so, it's so fake. It's so based on external things. I'll love you if you look good. I'll love you only based on what I get in return. I'll love you uh, only based on what you can offer me. Oh, God, that is so not the case with you. You looked at us. You saw us as sinners. And we didn't love you first, clearly. We disobeyed you. We didn't earn it. We didn't achieve it. We didn't obtain it. But God, you acted first because it is in your very nature You are love. You define every part of it. And you, out of your love, because of who you are, sent your one and only Son, Jesus Christ, to make a way for us to be free from our sins, took the punishment that we deserve, took the wrath, your wrath, that we deserved, so that we can be free from our sins and have eternal life in heaven. What a free gift that is. Like, who in the world does that? 
Besides you, there is no one. So, Father, I pray, Lord, that we would know you deeply, intimately, closely. It wouldn't just be intellectually, but that we would just seek to draw near to you, truly know your heart and who you are. But God, if we are with you and we do know you, may our love for you and love for others just be what naturally comes out. Just like the compass naturally points north because of the earth's nature and the gravitational pull, may our love for you and love for others be what we just naturally do because it's in our nature because we are with you. Help us to do that and live that out. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for tuning in to the Maywood Student Ministries podcast. We hope that this episode encouraged and strengthened you in your walk with the Lord. See you on the next episode.